0: We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. Uh, still gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is
1: all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God.
2: All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Monsignor Schumacher, and it's great to have you again on your RPR network throughout the extensive upper Midwest. Coming to you live from Bismarck, North Dakota, from my office at the Church of Corpus Christi, where I'm pastor, and I got a good show for you. Today is November fourth. Tomorrow is the Deer Gun Opener in North Dakota, but today, November fourth, is um, Charles Borromeo, and you know that was back when nepotism worked. Uh, Nepotism, of course, comes from the root of uh, nephew, nepos, and it was it was uh, very common in the Renaissance. Uh, for, for cardinals uh, to um, be uh, a nephew of, of the Pope. Uh, because every, every Renaissance Pope, um, at some point, appointed a relative to the College of Cardinals, and the, the nephew was the, the common choice. So, I, I guess you can say, yeah, uh, high uh, abuse possibility, uh, abuse of power, but, you know, when they're, when they're saints, I guess it, it worked. Guarinus, of Palestrina is another one. Anselm of Luca, that's another cardinal nephew. But Charles Borromeo, remember, lived uh, during during the the plague, uh, and in art, he he often appears barefoot, uh, recalling his care for the people of Milan during the plague of fifteen seventy six around that area, and um, we uh, we remember his last words as, "Behold, Lord." I am coming. He died at the age of 46 with the last words, Behold, Lord, I am coming. Maybe that's a good prayer for us today because eventually we all will be coming. Charles Barromeo, November 4th. Welcome to the show. My first guest, we're going to speak about this sacrament of marriage uh, for the uh, first half hour. Actually, uh, and then we have the marriage encounter uh, in, in the next um, bottom of the hour. And then we got a good second uh, hour plan for you. Deacon Mark Creechie is from the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota. Mark, we were visiting before we went on the air. Good morning again to you. Good morning,
0: Monsignor. Nice to be with you.
2: Great to have you on Real Presence Live. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your position in the Diocese of Crookston.
0: Well, yes, I, I live in Moorhead with my wife. We've been married 37 years. And I've been a deacon now for five years. Uh, I also work for the Diocese of Crookston in the Office of Formation and Discipleship. And one of the areas that I attend to um, is marriage, family, and respect for life.
2: And uh, very, very good. We're going to talk about the sacrament of marriage today. On All Saints Day, I reflected in my homily on Monday about how, how extensive the Church is. Uh, in in the church here on earth, the Church militant, and then I spoke about the church suffering, um, those being purified in purgatory, and um, of course the church triumphant, the saints in heaven. so we're we're part of something big here on earth of about 1.34 billion Catholics. and then and then we're, we're also part of a, a, another church, another part of the church, the church suffering and the church triumphant, but here on earth in the Church Militant, or what some people call the Pilgrim Church on Earth, we have two sacraments that serve to the communion of of the unity of the Church, holy orders and marriage. And um, first, um, th- let's talk about, as I always like to start teaching, the scriptural basis for the sacrament of marriage in the Catholic Church. It begins with Genesis, but it's extensive. Take us through a couple of them.
0: Well, oh, yes, uh, and, and you... Start in the beginning, and you know I've, I've um, been through and studied John Paul. Think Pope John Paul II's great theology of the body, where he brings us back to the beginning, and not of his own volition. But Jesus, you know, Jesus in Matthew and Mark, especially, but you know he he's asked by the Pharisees, um, is divorce okay? You know, and, and, and Jesus says, well, from the beginning, it was not so. Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of your hearts, but from the beginning. And, and so we go back to Genesis, the first two chapters of Genesis in the creation account. And there you you know, you hear about the creation, but when my wife and I, of course, talk with married couples that we're mentoring, for instance, and we tell them that this is the, the, the point where God created marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, Genesis 2.24. Um, in Genesis 1.28, you know, be fruitful and multiply. So in the very beginning, God created marriage for a sacred purpose as part of the salvation of the world. And then, of course, Jesus in um, Matthew and Mark, for instance, repeats those words and, and, and raises that and elevates it to, you know the sacrament, and then also in Matthew and Luke talks about the enduring bond that marriage is, and then you know when you read the um, the letters uh the epistles, you know, of course, Ephesians five, where Paul is trying to explain, okay, what does it mean to live then this Christian marriage and and he again repeats, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, or cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, you know, and of course, the richness of this, there are books written about it. But from Genesis all the way through Revelation, you see the, the marriage is um, not only there from the beginning, but lifted up in terms of its sacramental nature.
2: And when we talk about your uh, office, uh, Deacon Mark Creechie is my guest here from the Diocese of Crookston. He's in the Office of um, Formation and Discipleship, uh, under which falls marriage and family life. Is that right? Um, Right. It it makes sense, um, and uh, that that would fall under the Office of Formation and Discipleship is very logical. So let's talk about the formation of of marriage, the preparation of marriage. I've I just uh, did another pre-marriage weekend here in Bismarck uh, last month and in in my uh, marriage book where i have the hundreds of weddings that i witnessed i i remember how um, and I remind them that you know it's easy to fall in love the challenge is to stay in love and mm-hmm. yes. uh, because uh, you cannot begin a vocation until you fall in love. So let's talk a little bit about the formation uh, of marriage. What, what do you see uh, some of today's challenges of our of our couples preparing for the sacrament? Yes and,
0: and you the challenges are, are so very different because of this. Um secularized society that uh, not only sees um, marriage as disposable, you could say, but then, of course, the, the sexual union of two people as something that is recreational and not reserved for marriage. So you have so many couples that um, come into marriage um, without this idea that, that there's a sacred, there's a sacramental nature to it, which is why, you know— um, Francis and Amara Sestitia, and then our, our nation's bishops in a um, teaching on, on marriage and guidance on how we should be paying greater attention to forming couples for marriage. And it really it, it goes beyond that immediate formation you do when they're engaged and they come in and they say, Father or Deacon, we want to get married. Um, the um, bishops are saying, we have to now attend to remote preparation. How do we help parents? Prepare their children for marriage one day, um, um, proximate, you know, when they're young adults before they're dating, um, high school students before they, you know, before they meet this person they're engaged to. How are we forming young adults in um, this understanding of of um, the sacramental nature of marriage? And then, then the immediate and you know, the um, meeting with father, meeting with sponsor couples. Uh, marriage inventories, et cetera, that the Church has been doing um, for a number of years now. But then also subsequent, the Holy Father and our nation's bishops are calling on um, every diocese and every parish to come up with this kind of continuing accompaniment of these newly married people. And um, I I just think it's really important to do this um, broader view of what it means to prepare somebody for marriage especially given cultural pull that is just knocking marriage down as this recreational or or occasional thing or, or, or of course, optional thing.
2: I always tell my couples that a sacrament is not uh, something you receive as much as in the context of the sacrament of matrimony, uh, it's what you become and and what 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 they become is um really examples of the sacrificial love of agape yeah. and you know the the love of eros may have brought their attraction but it's mm-hmm. agape that will give them attachment and sometimes they think that love remains a feeling in the love of eros but it needs to become a decision and and a, a lot of the preparation that that we, we give them, uh, has, has to be mindful of the unconditional love of, of agape. And in today's society, a sacrificial love is really not something a lot of couples are prepared for.
0: Right. You know, we, uh, I talk with um, couples, and I, I talk with, um, in marriage retreats that I run, we, we talk about how there's this consumer view of love. That exists in, in many areas of society. This idea that, oh, love is something I receive. Love is something that, well, if you're not going to give me what I want, well, then I'm not going to love you in return. Yet, you know, as John Paul talked about, St. John Paul talked about in Theology of the Body, and, and of course, he's just restating the long held teaching of the church. It's that agape, agape, that law of the gift, that love is willing the good of the other. And and so, what does that mean? It means that you give yourself as a gift. You know that Paul writes about it in Ephesians five: be mutually submissive to one another. Submit yourself to your spouse. Um, and and that's why, uh, you know, some couples. And for years, um, I was a, I'm a therapist. Also, I'm a psychologist. And you marriages that were in trouble that came in to see me. These couples. Um, they saw themselves as two individuals that happened to be married versus two people who committed themselves completely to each other and who happened to be individuals. And, and so they, you know, they, their, their premise for their marriage was on rocky ground.
2: And you always hope the person with whom you fall in love with is also a person you can live with. And right uh, somebody, uh, a, professor, a pr- professor once reminded us that, uh, you know, remind the couples that, you know, before the engagement, uh, they need to talk about life together uh, daily right. uh, in, in, the years, in the years to come. As far as uh, agape, I, I found in my preparations that one of the, one of the um, uh, what, what retards the discovery and growth of agape and again, this is the love of sacrifice. This is the love of giving. This is the love that makes marriage holy. What what retards that so often is um, cohabitation and practices mm-hmm. that that um, kind of steal from the sacrament of uh, of marriage. And it, what, what, once you once you retard the discovery and growth of agape, it, it's hard to re, to recover. And I, that that's one of the what it's one of the basis of the church's teachings that. That they should not live together as as married uh, before before they're married what's the frequency that you see that in your area
0: well and and um, I can talk about you know the the research that's been done on these couples it it's pretty clear that the, the um, if you're living together, your chance of getting divorced once you're married greatly much higher than than those that don't live together before marriage and you know and some people wonder, well, what is it? What's, what's, what, why doesn't that work? And what you were talking about there, Eros versus Agape, when you're living together before marriage, you're probably, of course, um, in sexual relations with each other, and you've got the order wrong. You know, it, it's the Agape where you, you learn to love the other person for the sake of themselves, not for the sake of what they can give you, Um and and so when you're living together before you get married, it's like, no, I'm not going to fully commit myself to you. Uh, I, I love this Eros that we share, but that full commitment from Agape isn't solidified. And then we could get into the breakdown in communication that occurs because when you live together before you get married. You know, bad communication occurs uh, on and on it goes.
2: Deacon Mark Creechie is my guest from the Diocese of Crooks we're starting off the show today with some discussion on the sacrament of marriage. Mark, if you can hang on past the break, we're going to continue our discussion. All right. I want to talk okay. about mixed marriages. I want to talk about tribunal and uh, also how marriage is a great symbol. Uh, of uh, christ's love for for the church uh, a lot of good stuff and we know that that our society is based on this on this sacrament which brings forth life and forms life so my name is monsignor schumacher we're going to be back in just one moment stay with us there's more real presence live to come
0: on the real presence radio network
1: Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow. We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR
2: Network. We're going to speak about the marriage encounter after the bottom of the hour, but first we're continuing the Sacrament of Matrimony. As we come up on 19 minutes past the hour, wherever you are, my name is Monsignor Schumacher. It's great to have you on the Upper Midwest RPR Radio Network, and this is Real Presence Live. Deacon Mark Creechy is my first guest today from the Diocese of of Crookston. Mark, I always uh, tell my couples that, you know, love at first sight happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, the, the, the challenge is to stay in each other's sight for 50, 60. My grandparents were married 70 years and to still to still be in love. And as priests, we, we get to celebrate a lot of these moments, not just the beginning of their marriage, but I remember a 65th anniversary I had. I was kind of a younger guy uh, 20 years ago, and um, I had Lloyd and Margaret stand at their 65th wedding anniversary, and I, I asked them to, I don't do this anymore, but I asked them to, um, to, to speak about, you know, they, they was a, they're a beautiful couple. God rest both their souls. Um, And we could tell they were still in love. 65 years of marriage. I think I was a 29-year priest at the time wondering if I would live that long. And I I said, what do you have to say to us? And Margaret took the microphone out of my hand. Everybody got quiet. And she said simply, it takes a lot of giving. And that church just fell silent because she summarized the the beauty and the holiness of marriage. Some people think it's about mm-hmm. getting something, but like you said, it's, it's, about, it's about the opportunity to give to the one whom you love most. That's why Christ raised this uh, to, the, um, to, to, to a sacrament for us, and uh, beautifully, beautifully so. Let's talk a little bit about the tribunal work. Uh, Deacon Mark, uh, people who are listening to this can uh, you know maybe research some more Catholic understanding of marriage on their own but but the tribunal is is a very important tool that the church gives us for for marriages and to annul marriages so that a sacramental marriage may take may take place. Um, tell us about the, the office, the canonical office of, of the tribunal, the, the canonical of, uh, of tribunal services. Uh, different dioceses have different terms for that office. Uh, there are people listening right now in, in their vehicle or in their home or in their office who, who may be civilly divorced, who, who may be thinking about uh, a tribunal process and, and haven't begun it yet. Um, we need to encourage them to do it. It's a lot easier now than it was uh, 10 years ago. Uh, So tell us a a, a little bit about that and and how it's important in the integrity of the sacrament of marriage.
0: Well, and so everyone knows that, you know, in case they don't know, an annulment is, you know, a statement from the Church that a sacramental marriage was never formed, was never there. You know, in the marriage, um, a bright, the couples state their consent. Um, and and for a variety of reasons, sometimes people um, might say the words of consent but aren't truly given consent. And so what the Church says um, is that, well, that was never a sacramental marriage. Um, yeah, we know that Christ says what God is joined together, let no one separate. But sometimes this couple... Um, come before the church, say the words, but don't really truly enter into a sacramental marriage. And the annulment process is just the identification of that. And I've had uh, worked with a number of people over the years um, in therapy that um, had been civilly divorced, and that, you know they'll say words like, "Oh, I don't want to go to annulment because I don't want to bring it all up again. Or you know, they maybe want to get married again in the church. So it's been three, four, five, ten years since their civil divorce. Oh, I don't want to bring that up again. Well, that very fact that they don't want to bring it up says to me that there's still something unresolved. And what I found with the annulment process, um, with most people that enter it with an open heart, um, it's a healing step. It's a healing step that's taken. Um, by Holy Mother Church to take the people through this church, this process and grant that annulment.
2: Uh, let's also visit now uh, before we, we have to say uh, goodbye to you for the time being. We've talked about cohabitation, agape eros, the annulment process. Let's touch a little bit on mixed marriages and how important that is. You know, I've had in my almost 30 years as a pastor mixed marriages. By that I mean one couple, one party is Catholic the The other uh, person is not that I call that a, a mixed marriage. I've had some very, very fruitful, successful, very active uh, m- mixed uh, marriage couples in, in my parish. Uh, I've had some very uh, inactive, uh, disappointing couples who are, who are who are both Catholic. So uh, a mixed marriage does not set you off on the wrong foot. Uh, I, I once had a a couple in, in one of my parishes. After a couple years there, he, I saw him at Mass with his wife every 4 p.m. Saturday. And I, I came to realize that he wasn't Catholic. And I, I said, you know, gee. And, you know, and I said, why would you, I said, you know, Larry, why would you do that? Why, why would you go to Mass for 35 years with your wife every Saturday at 4 p.m.? And you're not even Catholic. Why would you do that? And his response was, because it's important to her. And I thought, you know what? A, now that's a man. You know, mm-hmm. st- staying out of the hunting blind and the the the, the 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 man cave to to do something that's important, not relegating religion to children and and uh, and women, but but uh, you know, promising uh, to to be there for his wife. Well, then, then he met me. He finally became Catholic. But but I tell my mixed couples that they need to talk about it. They need to not have Sunday as a point of division, which they will ultimately mm-hmm. neglect. And okay. um, what advice do you have for, for mixed couples who are preparing or are already married?
0: Well, yeah, with, with, with all couples, of course, when I'm working with them, when my wife and I are working with them before their marriage, um, and then as I work with couples across the diocese, I talk about the importance of prayer. And so you should pray every day with and for your spouse. And then with the mixed marriages, prayer then of the Sunday worship, to be able to participate um, in, in, in both. And so, it, yeah, it, it takes more effort, but to do both. Now, you know what I find so often, similar to what you said, Father, um, couples that really commit themselves to it, there's, they go to the Catholic Mass, and then they go to Protestant services, and, and not like every other week at the other place, but, you know, both fully engaged. It, it always, it, it's striking the number of people that are drawn into the Catholic faith through that, through that witness of the congregation. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's important. I, I appreciate what you said there too about talk about beforehand and take this seriously. And then you also mentioned, you know, hit that example. And, and to all the men listening out there, it is so important that for your wife, you are um, a man of faith that brings her closer to God. And, and for fathers with their children and grandchildren to be a man of faith who brings your family closer to God, all, all, closer to God. All too often, it seems like the women are taking the lead. Well, boy, we need men to step up and be true fathers of faith in their families.
2: Deacon Mark Creechy is my guest from the Diocese of of Crookston. Uh, And thank you for bringing up prayer, how how important it is. If we're talking, Mark, about about the basis of marriage as being sacrificial and giving, um, without prayer, um, couples are going to get tired. They're going to get tired of giving. They're not going to have the energy to give. Uh, they're they're yeah. going to become bored, and um, uh, if, they, if they don't protect their friendship, their spiritual friendship, they will, in due time, become future enemies. So so the spirituality is, is very, very important, and nothing makes me happier than to celebrate a wedding and then to have them active in, in the church, to see mm-hmm. them every Sunday, baptize mm-hmm. their babies. That's, that's really the basis of my joy as a priest, and I'm sure yours as a deacon.
0: Well, and, and I always share with um, couples, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen in the great text, um, it, it takes three to be married, husband, wife, and God. It's that covenant we form with God, and, and through couple prayer and family prayer, you strengthen that covenant with God. Because I know my wife and I will look on our lives together, 37 years of marriage, and go, boy, the only way we got through that was with God. You know, because we weren't necessarily on the same page or whatever. But God unites us. God draws us together.
2: Deacon Mark Creechie, thank you for uh, being on being on the show. Uh, you, you are were involved in, in Concordia. Tell me a little bit about where you taught briefly in the, in the next minute and uh, how you became, you know, a therapist and how you became involved with the Diocese of Crookston.
0: Well, yes, I've uh, I've taught at Concordia um, since 1987. I'm on a sabbatical leave now. I'm working full time for the diocese, but I um, um and and during that time I, I'm a counseling psychologist in my training, and so I would also see um, couples and individuals through our local Catholic church in therapy. So since 1987,
2: and uh, come back to the show any time. Uh, with a name like Creechy, I was a former pastor of. Uh... St. Wenceslaus and Dickinson, so I know a little bit of Czech, so, uh, so Yaksamash. Yaksamash, yes,
0: yeah, very good. Nice to talk to you, <laughs> Muncie.
2: Join us again, Mark, all right? Okay. Thank you. Well, there, there you have it, Deacon Mark uh, Creechy from the Office of Formation and Discipleship of the Diocese of Crookston. A part of that is marriage and family life, and I appreciate him coming on to remind us of the, the beauty of the, the sacrament of marriage and, and um, how, how important it is to, uh, to, to the life of the Church. We, we need to remember that in, in Christ's plan of love for us, he made marriage a, a very graced, noble, and, and favored uh, state in life and so we are grateful for uh, his time and, and his work in the church and I know that there are many priests and deacons that that serve such an office like marriage and family life throughout our listening area and um, may God be with them in, in their work so as we come up on 30 minutes past the hour we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a moment my name is Monsignor Schumacher and this is Real Presence Live Live Engaging